The following podcast contains strong language, and we actually think that's pretty cool. For the next half hour, everything in this podcast is strictly based on the available facts. This is Finding Desperado. This is a story about fantasy worlds and hot, healing hands. I'm Cameron James. And in the previous reel, Alexi Toliopoulos took us into the amazing life of Nancy Miracle, the alleged secret daughter of Marilyn Monroe and one of Lord Sidney's great loves. Unfortunately for us, Nancy had lost contact with her former flame. But as fate would have it, my undercover sting with the Ibiza chat rooms paid off. And now... We are about to call up a man who had a recent close encounter with our desperado. Justin guy, Cam, is going to be the closest that you've come to talking to the actual Sydney Ling. I think this is going to be the key. I think this is going to be it. This guy's met Ling. He's hung out with him in Paris. Come on. This is what we've been working towards. You're freaking out. Yeah, I am. (laughs) Okay, so, hi, my name's Justin Parkinson. So I have a few bar restaurant establishments in, in and around Manchester, the northwest of England. A big Ibiza aficionado. Lord Sydney was just someone that popped up in my dealings with Ibiza. And uh, if given the opportunity, I chased it down. Felt like it would be worth meeting the man himself and eventually met him in Paris. I started reading things about him where some people would describe him as perhaps a light being or some, somebody who had special characteristics. He'd walk very quickly. His hands were hot. <laughs> where did you uh, hear this? The, this is me reading stuff. This is me finding all these different little weird websites, you know, yes. snippets here and there. <laughs> first of all, I guess, how did you first hear about Sydney Ling? We were going to Ibiza, but we wanted to run a little festival. We were into all the Balearic music, but we didn't really know anyone there. So we sort of set about trying to get some contacts over there. Yeah. I was kind of taken with the kind of Ibiza, the whole specialness of it. People often brag a bit about, oh, God, you know, you should have been there in the 90s. <laughs> no, nah, man, he should have been in the 80s. That's when it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, and I was thinking, well, what was it like in the 70s and the 60s? You know, back before Acid House, before all the parties. Yeah. The likes of Salvador Dali over there and other filmmakers and producers. Were, and then you come across stories of this boy who used to kind of mix in this circles. And I was just really taken with this Lord Sydney thing as a king of Ibiza, or was back then. And I thought, well, there's no harm just sending an email. And lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, I got a reply. Okay, at this point, Cameron, we need to address it. Mm. When we were doing this interview, you and I were looking at each other. This is not a video call. This is just an audio interview with this guy. And I'm just thinking, is this guy for real? It felt like Robert Swift back in season one where I was like, this guy's totally fucking with us. And then his kids crying in the background. We were freaking out. We were freaking out. And I said, would it be good to meet up? And uh, it sort of turned out that he was going to be in Paris around about this time. So I just thought, I'm going to go meet the guy. <laughs> go and meet this fella. <laughs> so, You've got to check yeah, out those hot hands for yourself. 
I did. I wanted to check it out. Can you describe what he looked like when you met him? What was he? What was his appearance like? What was his vibe? He was kind of wearing a suit, but early 60s, but looked very well. I think he was Dutch, wasn't he, of origin? That's what we hear, yeah. What did you guys do together? Did you go around town? Well, did you have dinner together? It was a bit weird because, you know, so got there and it's like, what do you say to this person? <laughs> you know, like, a, it was a bit creepy for me. Sort of, I've just come to wanted to meet you, you know. I didn't really know what to say. We sat down and I was, just actually cried. I was like, overwhelmed. What? Uh, yeah, she burst into tears a bit. What, uh, um, what, what made you cry? I was just completely overwhelmed, you know, with the fact that I'd sort of gone off on this crazy mission to meet somebody. It was all kind of connected to going to Ibiza. And I was actually sat there with this person, this kind of legendary or sort of ethereal legend, isn't it? I mean, is he real? Is he not? You know, we had some food. And then he, he took me on a little tour around this kind of little district of Paris, set off at like breakneck speed and it reminded me of these things I'd read about him sort of always being quite hard to keep up with his proper zooming around the streets you know and what accent did he speak English with was it Spanish it was slightly Dutch I'd say slightly right, Dutch a bit European mid-European okay. Dutchy yeah uh, and you get the impression that he lived there he seemed to know people he, in he the area he definitely was living there yeah. okay what do you think he thought about you seeking him out in 2010 he hasn't really done anything for years and then you come out of the blue totally didn't seem phased at all by mm. it. it didn't seem to take it all completely in his stride uh, did you ask him about uh the music or the early days of ibiza or he didn't mention his film career not really no i mean i was always interested in um finding this dog movie you know lex the wonder that. dog that's the one you're wondering about lex the wonder dog yeah yeah that's the one we're trying to find as well did you ask him about it at all do you remember no I don't think I did. What do you think about that movie? We've been trying to find it for a little while now, and uh, do you think it's real? I'm not sure I do, actually. I think because, you know, Lord Sidney's not even a lord, is he? So he's gained that title through something, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, he's obviously from a well-to-do background. Didn't his parents just sort of travel the world a lot and kind of just leave him in Ibiza and stuff, you know? <laughs> is that be, true? To be brought up by wolves. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, there was, there was a lot of talk of him being like 10, 11 years old and, and, and being kind of on his own quite a lot, you know, being quite worldly and being mm. sort of left... Precocious. Yeah, left, left to his own devices. Do you know if he was working on anything at that time? No. I just got the idea he somebody didn't really do anything, if you know what I mean. Just had a bit of money and travelled around having wine with strangers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the whole thing could all be a fake anyway You're, there are people around you've probably met people yourselves who talk a lot of talk and not in a bad way make up stories but just kind of they probably believe stuff as well and i wrestled with this whole thing about thinking are you a lord no are you a filmmaker no, what, what are, you, are you anything are you just some guy that could easily be me when i'm in my 60s being kind of some wacky dude i'm not bothered if it is or isn't true it's still to me mm. there is some energy here and did you feel any, like, special spiritual emotions from sitting opposite him? I think maybe I felt it around people in the past, yeah. You can almost kind of make these things true if you want them to be. It sounds like he passed on, like, this glowing positive energy to you. That's it, man. That's what I think, yeah. How did you first hear about Sydney Ling? So it was literally just through researching... Lots of old websites with lots of old black and white photos on. Coming across Lord Sydney, there was then some of the things about his art and about, say, some of the vlogs and stuff. I've read uh, all the blogs and little websites. I don't know how much of them are real. I don't know how much is true. Does that bother you that it's possibly exaggerated or do you not mind? Absolutely not. I don't think it, someone's trying to 
get one over on people or, or get away with something. If anything, it's probably other people have created the stories around him. Other people have done all the talk that's created this myth. And he's probably just going, okay, let's run with that one, you know? Mm. <laughs> well, in a word, that was freaking surreal. Mm. I feel more confused than before the interview. I can't tell if Justin was fucking with us. Was he Lord Sydney? Was he making fun of us? And I hate to say it, I just think we finally have to accept that this guy is probably a fraud. We've got no solid facts so far. It's all been misdirection and self-mythology. I'm a bit embarrassed to say it. A few weeks ago, I was saying on the record that I think Lord Sydney might be a forgotten genius who lived my dream. <laughs> now I think he's just actually living in a dream world. I think that it's wrong to lose hope that this film doesn't exist just yet. You know, there's so many other ways we can go around trying to find it. I mean, I've sent Bryce out going through the ABC archives, trying to find anything about Lex the Dog. Bryce, has anything turned up? Oh, boys, boys, boys. <laughs> I reached out to ABC archives. There is a 16mm film called Lex the Wonder Dog archived in 1975. Oh my lord. I am not kidding you guys. What? Lex the Wonder Dog, 1975. (laughs) We have have the film canister of Lex the Wonder Dog. They've digitised it for me. They have sent it to me. Are you guys ready? No, no, to be honest, no. You're fucking with me right now, I found Lex the Wonder Dog. This is it. This is it? It was just like at work. That's a dog. Here we go. That's a dog behind bars for some reason. Is that Lex? It could be Lex. There's a little blonde boy. Yep. That has to be Sydney. Surely. I don't know. This doesn't... He's a little young, but... This doesn't seem... What the fuck is Aussie? Hang on, is that an Australian? (laughs) He's Aussie. What is this shit, dude? This is definitely 1970s Australia. What the fuck is this, bro? I don't think this is a beat. (laughs) The rest... Dogs, uh, they have a form of training where the dogs are kept in central kenneling. Oh my, dude, this is some like fucking cop training. (laughs) I think what I have found for you is a news item from 1970s Australia about police dogs being trained and one of them happens to be called Lex. I'm really sorry. I have... uh, I have blue balls right now. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Honestly, this sucks. I'm disappointed that in you, Bryce. That has been such a roller coaster. I, I can't even explain what I just went through emotionally. Mm, I'm really sorry. Oh, yeah. I feel a bit stupid for dragging you into this mystery with right. me because it doesn't feel real to me anymore. I feel like we've been tricked. I feel like Guinness has been tricked. I feel like Lex the Wonder Dog doesn't even exist. And I'm sorry for dragging you into this with me. I hate to see you like this. Give me one shot to just try something, okay? David, I worry that we've hit a dead end in our investigation. Where do we even go from here? I think we have to work backwards from his edifices, and this means we need to find his works that are actually out there. If these films exist... Part of me thinks they have to to get in the Guinness Book of Records. I mean, I've used a lot of advanced research tools to build my dossier, from things like Google to more advanced industry-specific things, um, the IMDB database. They actually do suggest that there might be some bodies of work out there. 
I say dig up the bodies. Trying to work forwards with Ling is nearly impossible. If these things are real, we can then work back from them. Mm-hmm. Alexi, I think you know where to start looking for these bodies. David is right. The movies is my thing. I know how to research his stuff. So when I got the phone from David, I went to my old stomping ground, the Internet Movies Database, IMDB. You are DB. I'm going to go deep on every movie listed in his credits. All right, what's first? Mata Para Viva, 1980. There's no synopsis, there's no photos for this film, but it is directed by Aldo Sambrell, who is a Spanish character actor. We're familiar with him. He's in Sergio Leone's Dollars trilogy, Fistful of Dollars for a Few Dollars More, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. And what about Sidney Ling? He's in here undercast. So he's an actor in this movie. Right. But he doesn't have a character name or anything else. I also can't find... The movie at all. There's Mm. no contact information for the production company. There's nothing there. A dead end. His second credits. Aloester del Rio Grande, 1983. Now, this is another Spanish Western. So instead of a spaghetti Western, it's like a paella Western. (laughs) Funny you should say that. That's actually what they call them. Uh, Directed by J.M. Zabalza, who has 21 other director credits. So he is real. He's real. Bigger than that. I've found the whole movie on YouTube. Oh, my God. I've sat down and watched this whole thing, but I had a visceral moment watching these opening credits, so I just want you to watch them here with me. Okay. Okay, describe to the audience what you see right now. We are watching the opening credits. Okay, it's like title cards for all of the actors Mm -hmm. in this movie. Oh. Sidney Ling is the third build. He gets a solo title card. A solo title card. He's an actor in this. He's in He's in this movie? I couldn't believe it either. Sidney Ling plays an ex-cavalry guy or a bandido or a gringo. I mean, I don't know because this movie is in Spanish. <laughs> Al oeste de Rio Grande. I don't really know what anyone's saying. But here we go. At 33 minutes is the first actual appearance of Lord... Sydney Ling on film. Oh my god. Whoa. What an entrance. Movie star entrance, right? He's riding a horse. He looks at home on it. Holy hell. Dodging bullets. He's shooting people. He's got an amazing little flat cap on. This is a movie star. <laughs> this is a movie star what performance. The hell? And look, he's like dodging bullets. He's running around. This is a kind of a quite a cool gunfight, but he's electric in it. I actually can't believe I'm watching this. I mean, first of all, we've only ever seen still images of the guy. This is the first time we've seen him move. Can I just say his walking speed is unheard of. <laughs> and now no longer unseen. Wow. Now, here's the bad news. Oh. Sorry to deflate you immediately. Uh, There's no production company information there. This was just a film that I found on YouTube and Mm. was shocked to find on YouTube. Another dead end. There's also a review for this movie on IMDb, a user review. So we're not the only ones to have seen this film. Mm -hmm. And it's by a critic that I'm now quite familiar with. Okay. Elite Finance. (laughs) They've also reviewed Lex the Wonder Dog, but I'd love for you to hear what they say about 
the west of the Rio Grande and what they focus on. Al Oeste de Rio Grande is a most interesting movie made by the late Jose Maria Zabalza. You must love those scenes between Sidney Ling and Aldo Sambrell. They really are fighting here. Rough, tough, and the hard way. The action scenes here are quite unique. It's amazing to see the energetic Sidney Ling take on a great quantity of gringos and Indians. All this is real, without any stand-in and without any real tricking. This has never been done before. It's really artisanal. Holy hell. <laughs> <laughs> now, Cam, wouldn't it be strange if there was a third movie? Yes, it would. Well, Cameron, things are about to take a turn for the strange because there is a third movie reviewed by Elite Finance and it's a movie that we brushed over earlier on in this. It's a weird genre picture called... State of Mind. The madness is just the beginning. And the review by Elite Finance here has a few details that are very interesting. I don't know who had the idea of making this film... Or why? But I discovered that the film contains quite a few classic names, i.e. Fred Williamson, Paul Nashie, and Daryl Hannah's only brother, Don Hannah. And all that in Belgium? To my knowledge, this doesn't happen very often. Whoever convinced those actors to come over must be a good PR. When checking the credits for this film, I noticed the name of the amazing Sidney Ling as casting director. Whoever convinced him to participate in this adventure is a question mark for me. But I am almost sure that he convinced the actors to come over to Belgium. Having studied the many careers of Sidney Ling, he remains the greatest dealmaker and negotiator as well. Why would these guys do a film like this in Belgium? And to please who? I've read a lot of film reviews. I know you have too. Have you ever heard of a review that's so with a magnifying glass focused on the casting director of that film (laughs) and a studied career on that casting director. No, that is very peculiar. It is peculiar. Sidney Ling is the the common ground between all these three reviews, Mm -hmm. but also I noticed on this review it's signed off. L.F. Berman, Elite Finance. It sounded familiar to me, that name. It sounded familiar to me. Okay. So I went back through our notes, and would you believe that name has occurred once before on this podcast, on our journey? Where? L.F. Berman has already written about Sidney Ling in Foyer magazine in 1997. Ling's magic. Lenny Berman talks to Sidney Ling, the living legend of unlimited magic. (laughs) How do you feel right now? He slipped up. He's used the same name twice. Do you feel we're getting closer to him? We are getting closer. I can feel it. Here, within the fortress of a twisted mind. What's the deal with State of Mind? This is the final film on Ling's IMDb, his most recent credit. Ling is credited as casting director for this trauma films distributed horror genre picture. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in this journey, this film is actually completely and legally available to rent and watch online. <laughs> well, if it's legal, we have to watch it. <laughs> as long as it's legal. Two strangers must solve a mystery. Oh. Oh. That was an experience. It was indeed. 
How would you describe that film? I describe it as a fun little grubster of uh, exploitation <laughs> picture. It's very much like a riff of misery, of those kind of Stephen King movies that were happening in that early 90s mm-hmm. period. And it's definitely set in America, but it's 100% shot in Belgium. <laughs> But it was enjoyable. It's kind of fun. If you like that kind of grubby genre picture like I do, you'll have fun watching this film. And what did you think of Daryl Hannah's only brother, Don Hannah? Oh, God. Well, I'm thankful there's only one of them because if there was that much charisma going on in the world, honey, save a little bit for us over here. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. But it's what happened after we watched this movie that was particularly strange to me. We were showing our producer, Bryce, the trailer for the movie on YouTube, and after it played, we got an autoplay video that came on afterwards, and we just kind of ignored it. It was on in the background while we were talking. It was a strange little interview with the producers of State of Mind, and all of a sudden, from the TV, we heard this. How did you get that fine cast? I mean, you have Fred the Hammer... How did you get all those stars? Oh, this is a great story. Well, we had a casting uh, director whose name was Sidney Ling. Sidney Ling. Sidney Ling. Sidney Ling. We all froze. It felt like an atmosphere decompression. That was a truly bizarre moment. I think it's the first time we had seen a seemingly normal human being even say the name Sydney Ling. It was a thrilling moment. I wish you guys were there. Oh, I would have loved to if you guys have seen the sweat upon my face. This guy knows Sydney Ling. Yeah, this guy's name is Jan Dunsa. He's listed as a co-producer on the film State of Mind. He's a film festival organiser in the Netherlands. I'm about to freaking call this guy. Hi, my name is Jan Dunsa. Back in the early 90s, I was a co-producer on a film called State of Mind. And that's where I met the the fabulous Lord Sidney Ling for the first time. In the early 90s, I was contacted by a Belgian producer named Johan van der Woestijne, also known as James Desert. He produced a film called Rabbit Grannies. Wow. (laughs) And Rabbit Grannies was a Belgian production. It had achieved some kind of cult status because it was released worldwide by Troma from oh, New yeah. York. Yes. Yeah, yes. I loved Troma and I thought, wow, this Belgian guy has produced a film and he managed to get it a worldwide release. So when Johan contacted me and told me he was working on a new project called State of Mind, uh, I was intrigued because I thought, wow, this guy knows how to make low-budget genre films and, mm. and uh, to get them released internationally. And then Johan told me that he had met this casting agent called Sidney Ling. Who could bring John Philip Law to the project? To me, he was known as the blind angel from Barbarella and mm. Sinbad from the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. So I thought, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Johan asked me to go sign the contract for John Philip Law with Sidney Ling. <laughs> so I, I met Sidney at, uh, uh, in a hotel in Amsterdam. I'm going to spill some gory details here. I'm sorry, oh, but uh, please. it was just too funny. <laughs> I thought, this is, the, this is the mysterious Sidney Ling. But the inside of his shirt at the neck was quite greasy and uh, <laughs> looked a little bit unwashed. So I thought, that's strange. Johan told me, this guy is uh, the amazing Sidney Ling, as he is mm. often called. This was the early 90s. So I was young and naive and I thought wow this guy has access to all this great talent and and he's Dutch the first <laughs> looks were a little bit disappointing I have to say he was a nice guy I have to I have to tell you he, yeah. he was really nice and uh, great talker great stories 
we proceeded to do the contract and he offered me like literally one sheet of paper, which basically said, John Philip Law is looking forward to working with you. Please sign here and pay $10,000 to Sydney Ling. Okay. <laughs> okay. I didn't know much about contracts at the time, but I thought this is a pretty flimsy contract. God, <clears throat> I wanted to send you a contract right now if, you, <laughs> if you're signing them like that. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a card from the bank which had the bank information printed on it. So it was definitely issued by the bank yep. to hand over. Here's the bank information. This bank account was in the name of Monsieur Mulder, Sydney. Hmm. So I figured, ah, okay, that's his real name, Sydney Mulder. So obviously, <laughs> Sydney Mulder doesn't sound so great. So yeah. I, I didn't think much of him changing his name into Sydney Ling, which sounds more exotic, of course. But then he proceeded, without me asking any questions about it, to explain why the card was in the name of Sydney Mulder. He said, actually, this bank account is in the name of my lawyer. Master Mulder and and me, Sydney Ling. But for some reason, they printed my first name and not my last name. I was uh. like, <laughs> this is a strange story. But anyways, <laughs> well, I thought as long as he can bring us John Philip Law, no problem with me. Please allow me not to sign it right now because I do have to discuss this with my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so I told uh, Sydney Ling, listen, we cannot sign this contract uh, yet. We, we have to get in touch with John Philip Law and hear how he feels about the project. And Sydney kept finding all kinds of excuses why that couldn't happen. He said, you have waited so long signing the contract. Uh, John Philip Law has now signed on uh, a series that he was already starring in and he's going to do another season. So he will not be available. And when we met in Amsterdam, Sydney had shown me his uh, portfolio of actors mm. that he represented. And I noticed that Paul Nashi was in it and I, I knew Paul Nashi. Yeah. I liked him a lot. Mm. And Fred Williamson was in his book and Don Hanna was in his book. He is Daryl Hanna's brother. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then... Uh, <laughs> when we watched State of Mind, we were like shocked how they looked exactly the same. He and Daryl had to have the same face. Yeah. Anyway, so then Sydney said, listen, I can get you Paul Nashi, Fred Williamson and Don Hanna for the price of John Philip Law. So oh, it was really bargain. like $10,000. And we were like, deal. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, so we had some issues with Sydney, but finally he provided us with three actors instead of one. But we, by that time, we all knew Sydney Ling is a strange character. We didn't take him entirely seriously. You mentioned his little book of talent, his casting book. Were there any other big names in that book? A lot of brothers of and sisters of. Um, I think Chris <laughs> Mitchum was in it. Um, oh, Robert Mitchum's brother. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> wow. Uh, and uh, when I talked to uh, Don Hanna, mm. I asked him, is Sidney Ling really your European agent? Because that was what he said. And Don said, no, no, of course not. But if he can get me a nice job, he is, you know. Right. And Ponashi is kind of the same, you know. If anyone who could offer him a job was his agent, basically. And so uh, Sidney Ling collected those photographs with biographies on the back, you yeah. know, the... Typical, um, he collected them in a book and he carried that book around and showed it to wow. whoever was ne in need of actors and told told them he rep represented them. He did not rep represent them officially, but he did know them mm. and he was able to, to make it work at least with these three guys and not with John Philip Law. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a 
lot of fun really about uh, Sydney. He was constantly right behind the camera, uh, whispering the lines to Paul Nashi. And in that respect, I must say that he was helpful. But I also remember that our uh, line producer, who was really an experienced guy, literally kicked Sydney off the set because uh, he was getting so irritating. How so? <laughs> Not just coaching Paul Nashi, but just interfering with everything. Mm. So he was pretty interested in being a filmmaker. He was trying to be creatively involved in the film? Yeah, definitely. He always used to bring friends to the set, show them around as if he was kind of like the producer. And I remember one time he brought a guy, an American guy who lived in Paris called Bill Harper. And he would always be having dinner with us. And I was like, where does this guy come from? And how, <laughs> how did this happen? You know, um, I, I This guy's claim to fame was that he was an extra on Gone with the Wind. And if you looked at the film, you could even find him there. Wow. And then he ended up being a producer of, of porn movies in Paris, I believe. <sighs> right there and then they set up a deal with Paul Nashi, who would star in a sequel to Werner Herzog's Nosferatu. Wow. <laughs> And we're going to shoot it in Paris. And I became also a little bit friendly with Paul Nashi. So later on, he told me, I asked him, what happened with the Nosferatu project? He said it was a, a nightmare because somehow these two guys, Bill Harper and Sidney Ling, had talked Paul into becoming a co-producer. And Paul was going to provide the raw stock, hmm. the film hmm. wow. material. He had come to Paris from Spain carrying a shitload of film cans in his car or something. And he had delivered the cans. It sounded like he, he became a prisoner. He said <laughs> he was put in an, uh, an apartment where there was only a filthy mattress. And he had stayed there for oh like two gosh. weeks and nothing happened. And then he just went back home because the film was not happening. But somehow the, the film stock had disappeared. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Strange, strange story. As soon as I had met Sidney Ling, I, I became aware of how he managed to uh, present himself because in Cannes, there are always at the Cannes Film Festival and the mm. film market, you would find these magazines like the Screen Daily and the Variety mm. and the Hollywood Report. They all have their dailies, but there are uh, tons of other glossy magazines. And, and one of them always featured huge stories about Sidney Ling. Hmm. Yeah. There were clearly stories that Sidney Ling had provided himself and, and, and that he had probably paid for to be printed. But it was always about Sidney Ling packaging this and that and working with Stallone and Spielberg and stuff like that. And I was like, how is it possible? <laughs> I've seen some of these articles on one of his websites and it seems like he wrote them himself. Were they actually yeah. in magazines or did he just have clippings of them? They were in magazines. And I have to say that originally there were achievements. He is credited as being the youngest person ever to produce a film, I think, yeah. in the Guinness mm. Book of World Records. <laughs> um, but I, I think somehow he sort of lost it in a way and, and became a legend in his own mind. That, that's that's what, I, what I think. Here in Amsterdam, uh, there are a few people who have uh, met him and worked with him. Uh, and had encounters with him. And at a certain point, we had a meeting to talk about the possibility of making a documentary about Sidney Ling. Mm. And we all sat together to talk about Sidney Ling and about our experiences and to seriously figure out what his story is, you know. And there is 
a word for it, and and I don't know how it translates to to English, but here in the Netherlands, it's pseudologica fantastica, and it's basically a kind of illness. I'll, I'll see how it translates to <laughs> English. Okay, so that's pathological lying <laughs> for you. <laughs> All right. We're familiar with that terminology. Sometimes I run into him in Amsterdam. It's always friendly. He's he's definitely a nice guy. He's he's a bit of a crook, but I would say he's uh, a charming crook. <laughs> <laughs> but one time he told me that he was now Lord Sidney Ling. He was given this title by an old English lord on his deathbed. And this guy had said, I give you my title. I don't think it works that way. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh. Have you been trying to co- get in touch with Lord Sidney Ling himself? Well, all the email addresses that we've found on his websites uh, bounce back. He seems very elusive. Yeah. The furthest we've gotten, to be honest, is you. So that was Jan Dunse, actual acquaintance of Sidney Ling. I just can't believe it. Sydney Ling is becoming less of a 2,000-year-old Methuselah (laughs) with healing hands and more of a grounded human being. I feel like we're only one or two steps away from him. I reckon I can get us to that next step. So I went on this website that I use every day called letterboxd.com where people log and review the movies that they've seen. So it's kind of like IMDb, but it's more about the criticism. It's more about sharing and discovering films. And I put Sydney Ling's name in there. It came up with a profile that had two films attached to it as director. One of those films was Grandmother Martha. All right, we know about that one. The other film was... Shadows of Blood, 1988. Written by Sidney Ling, directed by Sidney Ling. What is that? Well, I can tell you what it is, Cameron, because I have got the movie. I had to reach out to some of my friends that are more in that underground cult exploitation film area. Mm -hmm. They were able to find the thing online for it. I have got it now. Oh, my God. It is micro budget. It is straight to VHS. Straight to VHS. This film was literally filmed onto a VHS tape. (laughs) You're seeing acting pouring through that lens of that camera and directly onto one of the cheapest, most (laughs) hardiest film stocks there is. Well, fire up the VHS player, baby. We've got to watch it. (laughs) Oh, God, this is going to suck. That was Real 4 of Finding Desperado. Created by Alexi Toliopoulos and me, Cameron James. If you'd like to hear more from Alexi and I, please join us weekly on Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies. This series was produced by Bryce Halliday, consulting producer Anna Brunowski, featuring Ben Russell as the voice of Lord Sidney Ling and Bryce Halliday as Elite Finance. The series is mixed and sound designed by John Jacobs. Music by Luca Baroni-Peters. This is an ABC Audio Studios production.
Executive producer, Tom Wright. They really are fighting here. Rough, tough, and the hard way. <laughs> I don't know why that so tickles me so much. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Hey, it's Lizzie Who. Just letting you know, my special, Who Am I? What's My Name? is on the ABC Comedy Presents podcast. It's a mild identity crisis that you get to be a part of. Fun. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.